Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts. Leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back for the Primetime Podcast here on Most Valuable Podcast. If you're on YouTube, thank you and hello. Wonderful to see your faces here again. If you're on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or Stitcher, thank you guys for giving us the listen and the download today. And Brandon... We got a jam-packed show. I'm getting right into it because we're talking a little bit of basketball to start. We're going to give a little thoughts on the championship game, not go too far into it because we do have our video that we went in fuller detail. But in this podcast, we're talking Wichita State, but then we're moving right back into football. Lamar Jackson and Louisville are their college football playoff team. And then we're talking year of the quarterback. Will 2017 be the year of the quarterback in college football? But... Before we move back into college football officially, Brandon, what a game last night. What a way to end the 2016-2017 college basketball season. Yeah, it was a great game. It was, I think as Roy Williams said, not well played by either team, but it was certainly an entertaining game for all the fans and uh, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I think for probably a lot of people, a little uh, nerve-wracking to watch at times, but it was very, very exciting. I'm very happy for North Carolina, but I'm sad for Gonzaga because they played so well throughout the entire season. They played so well throughout that ins- entire losses, tournament. And, you know, just listening to Mark Few with talk at the end to Tracy Wolfson, it was it was tough because you can just tell how good of a guy he is, how genuine of a guy he is, and saying that, you know, the thing he mm-hmm. hates the most is that he's never going to work with that squad again because guys will be gone. I mean, you lose Karnowski. And, and and it's just like, you're never going to have that core group again. And that's tough. You know, that's tough. But I, I think for, for both teams, they have to look and be very, very happy with what they've done, with what they accomplished in North Carolina, obviously, after last season, how it ended, being able to kind of avenge that loss. And then with Gonzaga, kind of, kind of I mean, they didn't win it, mm-hmm. but they did j- just about as much as you can without winning it, I think they put the haters to sleep for a little while. Well, the thing, my big takeaway from the national championship game, and this was the one thing that I'll say before we get into Wichita State, is uh, we need four, I think we need four quarters in college basketball. Because, Brandon, I will tell you what, it was painful to go to you go, okay, there's 10 minutes left, they're still in the bonus. Really, that started at 13. And then to go... Oh, okay, it's the final two minutes. Oh, wait, there's eight minutes left on the clock. Why are we... It felt like the game slowed down in the second half because uh, somebody got too whistle happy. And you guys know who that is. They're wearing the the black and white shirts. Got a little bit too whistle happy in that game. That's the only thing that I feel this one had that last year's didn't was there are too many whistles in this one. Slowed the game down so much. Get us four quarters, get that bonus 
to be reset. But me and Brandon, if you're like, whoa, talk about national championship or yeah, national championship more. We talked about it in a separate video where we announced our tournament winner for the college bracket. So go check that out on our YouTube channel. But Brandon, let's get right into it. The first topic here on the podcast today, we're staying in the world of college basketball and it's all about Wichita State, the Missouri Valley conference team that, uh, just edged out Illinois State. We talked about the Redbirds earlier this year. The Wichita State Shockers are official, not officially, but it seems like everything I'm seeing, all the little articles from Wichita, Kansas coming out of the woodworks, they're going to be moving to the AAC. I'm just going to kick it off to you. What does this mean for the Shockers to move to the AAC from the MVC? Well, I think that it would certainly allow them to have more competition throughout the season, and they would have more competition within their uh, own conference. And mm-hmm. I think that that's absolutely what they're looking for, because right now, who, who's really challenging them in their conference? Illinois State? That was the I only mean, team they lost to, really. Uh, they split that. They split it and then won in the tournament. No one else is really... Is, is really giving them any competition. They have to look outside of their conference for that. So I think being able to come over here to the AAC is definitely going to allow them to have more competition with teams like who were good this year, SMU, Cincinnati. Uh, you know, we, we've seen the Yukons in the past, Memphis's in the past, stuff like that. I think this certainly will allow more competition. I think the AAC, if, if I'm that, I'm welcoming the Wichita mm-hmm. State over, who's been a very, very strong team the last couple of years. So I'm I'm, I'm very excited if I'm the AAC. I'm very excited if I'm Wichita State, and I'm very excited if I'm Illinois State. Well, and to me, the big thing you say, they had to get that kind of competition from outside the conference. Just from this past year, they played LSU, which, are they really that much no. above Wichita no. State? But still, a Power 5 team got the win. They they weren't afraid to go ahead and say, we are going to play number 10 Louisville. Yeah, they lost that game, but it was only by 10 points. And then say, we're going to play number 24 Michigan State. Only lost that game by five points. And then they go ahead and, I mean, of course they're a Power 5 team, but Oklahoma had a struggling season this year. They still go out, schedule a game in Norman to go in there and beat the Sooners. And then they even played... Oklahoma State as well, where they lost that game. That was their biggest loss to a Power 5 team this season at home. They lost 93-76. to And I mean, I look at this move, and I think it had to happen sooner or later. And the reason why I say that is because either one of two things I saw happening with the Shockers. Either one, Greg Marshall stays as head coach, and they move to a more competitive conference. Or what they do is stay in the MVC, and then Greg Marshall goes, "Okay, bye, Audi Five Thousand. I'm going to go to a team which is which would be actually competitive." Did I see that second one happening? No, because Greg Marshall, you can tell, loves this team. So that's why I was leaning more towards eventually, Wichita State is going to get out of the Missouri Valley Conference. Here's the one thing I think, though, in my head, and you kind of mentioned it. There were teams like. You look at SMU, you look at Cincinnati, you look at Central Florida, who was a far NIT team, a far NIT team. I want to say they made the final four of the NIT this season. Houston had a good season. Memphis, a good team. Connecticut, a good team. Is there a chance, and this is just back of my head, is there a chance Wichita State comes in 
doesn't do so hot. I'm not saying like they're going to finish behind South Florida, who finished seven and twenty-three. Of course, they're going to be better than a team like that. But let's see: SMU, Cincinnati, Houston, Central Florida, Memphis, Connecticut. That's six. What if Wichita State comes in and finishes seventh in the American? Is that seen then as a failure? When they would fans look at that and go, "Ah, we should have just stayed in the MVC." Won it, got the automatic bid. Yeah. I, I, of course, for fans, it's going to be a failure. Mm-hmm. And I think for the program, we probably would look at it as, as a failure, too. But at the same time, you could also allow yourself that first year. Okay, well, you know, it's our, our first year. We're getting, we're certainly getting more competition. I, I think that that's, it's certainly a, a good point to bring up, but I don't think that that's exactly what's going to happen. We've seen Wichita State over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Again, you know, MVC, yes, not that strong. People know that. But I think that with the way that they have played in, outside of their conference, the com- they've been competitive. And I think that also the way that we've seen them play within the tournament, they've been competitive. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they won't struggle all that much when they come over here. Now, are they going to come in and win right away? I don't think so. But are they going to be very, very competitive and be a strong team right away? I do. But I also don't think that it would be a failure if year one they come in and they don't do so well because you, I think you should be allowed kind of that grace period of a year. You're getting you're getting settled. You're getting used to playing against mm-hmm. these teams all the time. Then seeing these teams as opposed to seeing those kind of cupcake teams over in the MVC. So. I don't think that it would be looked at as a failure. I think it would be looked at as, okay, we're going to give them this. Year two, you're doing the same thing. Year three, you're doing the same thing. That is a failure. And then people certainly would have a reason to say, why did we move? Why did we come over here? But I think that you take a look. You've got SMU 30-5 and five this season, Cincinnati 30-6, and 21-11 for Houston, UCF was 24-12, and 12, and then Memphis 19-13. and 13. Those are the teams that had a 500 record or above. And... There's that's four teams. You I, you were hard pressed to find that over in the MVC. Mm-hmm. You were hard pressed to find a team that was fairly competitive outside of Wichita State and Illinois State. Mm-hmm. And Illinois State didn't even end up making it because they're not strong enough outside of their conference. These teams are playing teams outside their conference, and they're playing pretty decent teams within their conference. So. Wichita State is doing a really good, is trying to make a really good move by saying, guess what? Not only do we want to be competitive outside our conference, we want to have competition within our conference. We want to show people that we are not just a, uh, they play cupcake teams anyways. It's, they're going to, they're going to make it because Mm -hmm. they're, they're going to beat all those teams. They want to show people, hey, no, we are actually very talented. We will beat tougher opponents. We can consistently beat tough uh, opponents if you put us in the right conference. Now they're looking for the right conference. They may have found it. Well, and the thing I think of is when you say, because we all know why they're making this move. It's exactly what you said. To, In my mind, I think it's to get a tougher conference schedule, which will help the committee, because if you do well in that conference and maybe even win that conference eventually down the road, then what that will do is, oh, Wichita State won't be seen as that 10-seed nine seed double seeded team kind of a team who won the MVC, they'll be seen as like SMU this year, a six seed. Won the regular season crown for the conference tournament, they were the six seed in their region, whereas Wichita State was number ten. And I know Coach Calipari came out on selection Sunday while we were recording the podcast because 
We watched it. We came right here for these guys to tell them what we thought about the bracket. But he even said, you know what, Wichita State under underranked in this one, underseeded in this one. That was a mistake to put them at 10. But in my mind, as you were talking, I kind of thought of the thought where, yeah, you're, yeah, you want to leave for a tougher conference schedule, but it's kind of the it to me. I think of the argument we just had last night, where what was the one thing immediately after the game and even during the game that there were people even in our MVP group that were saying about the Zags. Oh, this is this is why they didn't play that tough of a conference schedule. Put them up against a good team. This is what you get. Of course, that's ludicrous because they played teams like Xavier and Northwestern, and they played quality teams throughout the tournament. <laughs> they didn't get blown out. They didn't get Makes blown no out sense. either. But here's the thing: I think of the WCC right now is a two-team conference. The Zags and the Gales. Zags do really well, and I know the Zags this year did really well. They were they only lost two games at the end of the year. Not quite the same as Wichita State, but just kind of kind of work with what I'm working with here for a second. It's a two-team conference. It's the Zags, it's the Gales. Zags get a one seed, the Gales were a seventh seed. Is it that the WCC, we say, oh, they're not a conference, but are they a better conference than the Missouri Valley, who to me, of course, it all depends on what Illinois State is kind of working with. But really, that was a two, two-team two conference as well. You had Wichita State at the top. You had Illinois State right behind them. Do they really have to move to the ACC in order AAC. to— Or the AAC, pardon me, to get that— love from the committee when it comes to tournament time. Because really, to me, that's all it really means is let's get a higher seed so it makes our road theoretically easier. Well, let let me let me, let me me put this into perspective for you. So Gonzaga, they played uh, a number of opponents outside their conference. Mm-hmm. They beat all of them. Now, Wichita State did not. No, like I said, they lost Oklahoma State, Louisville, and Michigan State this year. So there you go. Gonzaga beat Florida. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga beat Arizona. Gonzaga beat some other teams outside of their Iowa conference State, as well. Tennessee. Iowa State, there you go. So that's why Gonzaga got a number one seed. Mm-hmm. Wichita State got a whatever seed that they got. Ten. Ten. Because they didn't beat those out-of-conference teams, mm-hmm. those tough ones. Tough. I mean, they're tough. I'm they're uh, glad you scheduled them. Mm-hmm. That's going to help you. You only lost by 10 to Arizona or Louisville. Okay. You know, you lost by 10. That's that's not bad. I think that um, that's kind of how you have to look at the factors there. The WCC is very, very similar, like you mentioned, to the WVC. They've got two teams that are anything really that are really worth mm-hmm. a grain of salt right now could another team eventually be better sure but i think that because gonzaga scheduled all those those out of conference games and won them all they were a number one if wichita state had won them all as well beat michigan state beat louisville mm-hmm. beat those teams could have been a three a four but they didn't so that's, I think, the reason why they 
ended up with the seed that they had. But you don't necessarily need to leave your conference, as we saw with Gonzaga. You've just got to schedule good outside of your conference opponents, and you have to beat them. Gonzaga's two losses, one to who was it? Uh, uh, who was the first B- one? BYU. BYU. I wanted to say San Diego. That didn't make any sense. <laughs> BYU in their conference, correct? Mm-hmm. And then their second loss to North Carolina in the championship, championship game. game. That's why they were a number one seed. And that is why they're a number one seed. And again, you take a look at Wichita State. Mm-hmm. Could they stay in their conference and still be a viable team? Yes, but you have to schedule Arizona. You have to schedule an Oregon. You have to try and schedule a Duke. Someone like teams that would make sense. You can't get all three of those in the same season. Holy mm-hmm. crap! Yeah, that would be really good. But if you lost all those, that also doesn't help. But those are the types of teams you need to schedule. They could stay where they are and be okay. But I think that they're going to have a better chance by making this move to the AAC because overall it's just a better conference. Overall it has championships. Overall, these teams, UConn, who was 16 and 17 this year, Will they be better again down the road? Oh, I expect it. Mm-hmm. Memphis, who is 19 and 13 this year, are they going to be better down the road? Oh, I expect it. UCF, are they going to be better? Yes. Cincinnati, are they going to be back? Yes. SMU, they're always consistently good. Now, Wichita State is going to be joining them. That's good for them because they don't have to do as much out-of-conference scheduling mm-hmm. work because in the conference, it's already there. The competition is already there. So do I see the, the the importance of being able to leave your conference? Absolutely. And for them, I think it's the right move. But could they still be good in the WVC? And could they still make a run as a possible high seed? A one, a two, a three, a one, that might be tough. But a, a, a three, a four, I think they could do it. They just have to schedule precisely the right teams and beat them. Well, and another thing, and before I go on, I just want to just correct you on one thing. NVC, not WVC. The you know Missouri what I meant. I, was, I, I kept I, saying the WCC. You know what? I'm just saying it because I know someone in the comment section has already typed it, but the one thing... And MVC, I, no one cares. <laughs> the, no the one doesn't cares. care VC, yeah. um, unless it's VCU. Um, but the one thing that I do want to go off of with what you just said is when it comes to the American Conference, two thoughts that I was having while you were talking was, one, if I'm the American Conference, the AAC, I'm ecstatic. That would, that, like, I am surprised to at this point, like a lot of articles say, oh, you know, Wichita State's just waiting on the American to get back to them. I'm surprised it's taking this long. And the only reason I can think it is taking this long because they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, you know, fuck it. They have 11 teams at it. This makes it even. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Yeah, I just had to double check. They have 11 teams. This makes it even. Just go ahead and add them all right. They're a great team. And on top of it, you look at the kind of coaches that you already have in this conference. Tim Jankovic, a guy that we have talked about for numerous coaching jobs this year. He was originally at Illinois State in the MVC. Then came over to SMU 
at the end of last year, he took over nine games, went nine and zero, and then this year, thirty and five with the SMU Mustangs. You also have Kevin Ollie at UConn. You have Cronin at Cincinnati. You have Tubby Smith at Memphis. Now you are taking Greg Marshall, and you're adding him to the mix. You're adding another great coach to this conference. To where I mean, none of these coaches are on the. Level of Coach K, Roy Williams, Tom Izzo, Rick Pitino, Coach Calipari, when it comes to that name recognition, but the name is there. The name is there. You have quality coaches now, and you're just adding another one to this already tough conference. And then on the other side, I look at it for the teams like Illinois State and the rest of the MVC, I'm celebrating. I am celebrating that Wichita State is moving out of our conference. You want to know why, Brandon? You want to know why? Easier road for you. You do not need, no longer will you have to go, well, looks like we're not winning the conference title this year because Wichita State has it. Now it either becomes, A, there's going to be a lot of pressure put on Illinois State. Basically, you're the top dog in town. Are you going to be the top dog or are you going to crumble under the pressure? And two, it shows every other team, you know, we, we now have a fight for that conference title, for that automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. So kind of just two thoughts that I have, but kind of like to wrap everything up for this is I'm just going to throw it to you. Just final thoughts. Do you think it's a good move for Wichita State? And in their first year, which would be this upcoming season, 2017-2018, how do you think they do in the American? I think that it's a very very good move by Wichita State to try and join the AAC. I think it's a very good move by them. And I think that this is going to long-term be something that's going to be very positive overall. And the other part of your question where I think that they'll end up is I think that next year we're going to see Cincinnati win it and then in second place will be Wichita State followed by SMU in third. Wow. You think that Wichita State's coming in and just boom, right away, we're one of the top dogs. I think that because they've been so good, and I'm I'm basing this off of their, their tournament play. Mm-hmm. They can play with those teams in the tournament. Yeah, they can. They can play with these teams. Mm-hmm. They could. They can definitely do it. And I know it's kind of a lofty thought, but I don't think that they'll win it. Mm-hmm. But I second or third, I think, is very possible for them because – they are one of the better teams, mm-hmm. I, I think, out there in college basketball right now. They're well coached. And and, and again, I, I understand. They're coming from what has been, most people would say, a cupcake conference. Yes, I get that. Everyone does. But if they wouldn't have had the type of tournament success as well that they have had. I mean, look at the game they played against Kentucky. One of the best teams almost beat North Carolina. Oh, They almost beat Kentucky. They were almost there instead of Kentucky. I think that this team is very capable of competing right away in the AAC. I think it's a great move. I am going to say this. It's a good move for Wichita State. And the reason why I'm saying good is because it gives you a tougher conference schedule. It brings you into a tougher conference so that people will see American. They'll see those teams, and the committee might reward you for it. But on the same side, I kind of have that feeling of, well, look at what the Zags have done. They're in a nobody cares conference, but 
they've been able to build a legacy of winning and winning enough to where they can go ahead and win every game but one on their schedule, get a number one seed, and then do damage in the tournament. I know this was the first year they went to the Final Four, but as for where they finish, I'll give you this. I don't know who's going to win it. I am not ready to crown a champion for next year in the American, but I think at the best they'll be a top three team. Top three. I think it's SMU, Cincinnati, and Wichita State, like you said, could be those top three teams. However, it's one of those things where they're even gonna fin- they're gonna finish third at best, fifth at the worst, and that's like an absolutely worst kind of a thing because I look at Memphis and UConn, which are behind Houston and Central Florida for this year. I love those two teams. I love what they got going. Kevin Ollie had a great group this year. Tubby Smith is doing some great things at Memphis. Those are gonna do, be two th- two teams that I think climb up the American leaderboard next year. But this is where we're going to turn it on to you guys, the fans. Let us know down below in the comment section, what do you guys think? Is this a good move for Wichita State? Should they have stayed in the MVC? What do you think overall about this move by Wichita State to try to get into the American or the AAC? Let us know down below in the comment section. Well, Brandon, let's move on into our next topic, and we are officially moving on from college basketball. It's in the rearview mirror by basketball. Hope you find your dad. Thanks, Mr. Narwhal. (laughs) I love that movie. It's a great movie. I love Elf. Great movie. Amazing movie. Can't wait for December, but really I can because I want to get to football season, which is what we're getting to right now, Brandon. We are now in football mode from now until pretty much eternity, and we are going to be talking football again here on the Primetime Podcast, and we got a doozy for you. We're talking for the rest of the podcast all quarterbacks, and in this segment, Brandon, we're going to take a look at Lamar Jackson. We're taking a look at Louisville, and I'm going to hit you with an easy one. I'm going to try to throw a softball, throw a nice changeup right over the middle of the plate for you. You ready? Can Lamar Jackson lead Louisville to the college football playoff this year? Well, Ricky, that's a it's an interesting question. So is a fastball, that's what you're saying. Ninety five mile an hour heat right down the middle. It's it's an interesting question. I, I think that you look at what he did last season and, and, and no doubt and no one can deny that Lamar Jackson was outstanding. Mm-hmm. He was outstanding. I mean you don't win the Heisman trophy without being outstanding, and he was in so many games, and he racked up touchdowns like it was nobody's business on the ground and throwing through the air. But you know what he did not do is he did not get Louisville to the Final Four. He did not get them to the college football playoff. And what is there to think that in a season when he may not be as good as what he was last year, because mm-hmm. typically you win the Heisman Trophy, you're not going to you know, go and repeat, and you're probably not going to have as good a statistics as you did the year before. What makes anyone think that he is going to get his team to the college football playoff this year, especially when things may not be as good for Louisville as they were last year? Offensive line that may not be all that great could be shaky there. We saw in some games in the game, specifically Virginia, he did not play well at all. 
And it was against Virginia. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not talking basketball anymore. We're talking football, Virginia. They're, they're nothing. Nothing special. And he really struggled. And Lamar Action Jackson, towards the end of the season, overall really struggled. He was not what he was at the beginning of the season. If you take the first half of the season, wow. Wow. Those stats were phenomenal. You take the last half of the season, and you just see a normal quarterback. So I think that to ask the question is an interesting question. It's a great question. But I think for anyone to say, yeah, right off the bat, mm -hmm, yep, he'll be able to lead them to the college football playoff. What do you have behind you to say that absolutely, without a doubt, he'll be able to do it when even in his Heisman Trophy season, he couldn't do it? I almost want to say yes, he will. And the reason why is I look at last year and amazing year, amazing year for Action Jackson. However, there were two things that really fell in the way for him. Number one, the October 1st game against Clemson. As soon as he lost to Clemson, no way he was getting to the playoff because there was no way Clemson was going to let Louisville get ahead of them again. I know Clemson ended up losing late to Pitt, but that was number one. Number two was losing to Houston. As soon as they lost to Houston, season was over. You saw it that next week with the Kentucky game where, yeah, it was a close 41-38 game, but at the end of it, it was like, well, this game really means nothing. We know in the ACC that we're not going to win the ACC. They didn't. I thought they didn't have that same fire that they had earlier in the season. And really it comes down to those two games to me. Clemson, who was at Clemson, and then at Houston. So two road games to me kind of wrote that season to a T, even though it was an amazing season for Lamar Action Jackson. However, I look at this year, and... They have some big games. They didn't play North Carolina last year. They get North Carolina this year. Actually, it's their first ACC game. And it's game two of the season. And it's game two of the season. But here's the thing. I'm looking at their schedule, and I know it's early. I know it's early. Like Clemson, I'm going to get to them in a second because I feel like they're a little bit of a piece in this cog. But Spring games are just going. Like, Clemson's having their spring game this Saturday. So we are still very early. We're in spring ball right now. But I look at the schedule. Purdue, I think they can beat. Kent State, I think they can beat. Murray State, I think they beat. I know, shockers, right? NC State, I think they beat. Boston College, Wake Forest, Syracuse, Virginia. I think they get the win. Am I saying they're going to blow them out 63-13? to 13? No. But I'm confident right now in the spring game that they get those wins. I look at the important ones, North Carolina, Clemson, and Florida State. Kentucky all depends on where they're at heading into the in the ACC heading into that game. But I look at North Carolina, lost Mitch Trubisky. Their quarterback for this year will probably be the transfer from LSU, Brandon Harris. I'm not scared of Brandon Harris. Now I know that it, 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 that could change, Because let's see what happens in the spring. Let's see how he looks in Fedora's offense in that North Carolina system, which is vastly different than uh, Ed Orgeron and his offensive system down there in LSU. I know my Ed Orgeron is nothing compared 
to Brandon Swanson and your impersonation of good old Ed Orgeron. But I'm not scared of Brandon Harris right now. Then you get to Clemson. And I feel like saying these words, I'm going to get them shoved right up my rear end at the end of the season because that's usually what happens. I predict something and the opposite <laughs> it happens. It goes completely the opposite but way, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a quote here from Athlon Sports. I'm looking at their article. And they said here, they're talking about the quarterback job, how somebody needs to take over. They say, but somebody will be taking snaps when Kent State comes to Death Valley on September 2nd. And this spring will be the first test for all those candidates. I look at what we got. Right now, it's probably, like, if I had to put a name to a job, Kelly Bryant would probably be the guy. But you also have Zara Cooper, who could win that job away from Kelly Bryant. You also have a freshman in Hunter Johnson. I don't think they go with a freshman filling in for Deshaun Watson. But those two teams, North Carolina Clemson, first two ACC teams that they play this year, that quarterback is really going to have to have their game going because guess what? Lamar Action Jackson will have his game going. Louisville does not have to worry about that quarterback. However, the offensive line that you mentioned could be the question mark coming into that. If you get through those two guys, really the big question for this entire ACC becomes who's going to be the better quarterback? Lamar Jackson. And when I say better quarterback, I mean in winning games. Lamar Jackson or FSU's Francois? Who's going to be it? And I think really this season, the ACC will come down to October 21st at Tallahassee when Lamar Action Jackson comes to town to play Florida State. That's going to be the game we all watch and signifies whether or not Louisville will be a college football playoff team. I think that that's it's very important with the quarterback situation, and I think that you bring up a really good point in the fact of Brandon Harris. How scared are you really of mm-hmm. him? He really wasn't anything special over at LSU, but a change of scenery is always good for players, so mm-hmm. it could certainly help him. And then Clemson, you're you're not having Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, obviously. And an, an incredible talent and, and an outstanding quarterback uh, there, there at Clemson. And you don't know who's going to fill in for him. So right now you kind of have the question mark there. And then, of course, you have Francois, DeAndre Francois uh, at Florida State. And I think that right now, obviously, right off the bat, you look Francois. He's the best quarterback out of those uh, three three teams where you're questioning two mm-hmm. of the quarterbacks. And I, I think, though, is you have to look beyond just the quarterback. You have to look and see what else do they have. You know, is 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 Louisville's how's Louisville's defense going to be this season? You know, they put up they would put up 60, 50, 60 points. Uh and but their defense did a pretty good job of of holding people. Is their defense going to be the same exact way? You know, are they going to be able to win 63 to 13 too many times this mm-hmm. season? And then you have to look also on the other sides for for Clemson, North Carolina, and Florida State. And talking about the, these three teams specifically, because these are the three teams that Ricky and I, and I agree with you, Ricky, is that, that that we've looked and identified as being the teams that really are going to pose the biggest threat. Especially to, they're all in the Atlantic. They're to, all on the same side. To Louisville. And, and, and not to say that any of the other teams will not, but these are the three teams that we have picked out right mm-hmm. now early on that will. And I think that you have to look what 
else are they going to have? You know, are they are they going to be uh, good running teams? Are they going to have, you know, some big wide receivers? Those are all types of things. Who are the other playmakers around just the quarterback? Mm-hmm. Because so I, for Louisville, as good of guys they may have had around the football, no one knew about them because all they knew is Lamar Jackson. He did basically all of it by himself for a long part of the season, for mm-hmm. a good part of the season. But that's that's where else I'm looking. That's why I don't think you can just jump right in and say, yes, he's going to get his team to the college football playoff because there are so many question marks still around Louisville as a team and what Lamar Jackson will do, you know, coming off of his Heisman Trophy season. And then what else are these other teams going to do? What are the improvements that they're making? How are their defenses going to be? I think those are all the questions that you have to ask yourself right off the bat. And because of that, you cannot just say yes. You can be inclined to say yes, but you can't just say yes. I think that they will be a college uh, football playoff team only because well, how? How, how, can, how can they be? They weren't even one last year. That's my biggest argument, is that he had such an outstanding season, yet mm-hmm. they're not there. They weren't even close to being there. They lost their big games that they needed to win. Now, it's, it's one thing for a Penn State to make an argument, hey, why aren't we there? Louisville couldn't even make an argument. No, they, they weren't could. anywhere close. Well, it wasn't even just it was really what done them in when it came to the argument of that second team. As soon as they lost to Houston, they were done. Like the Clemson one was okay, we're not going to win the ACC. They lost to Houston and it was, well, we're not making the playoffs. Our season's done. And like I said, it showed in that Kentucky game. I thought that it was one of those ones where Kentucky came in with a little bit more fire. But one quarterback I do want to throw out and mention that I forgot to mention for the Tigers, and I hope I'm going to get this name right, is um, Nick Schusler. I hope I said that name right. I probably didn't. Redshirt Senior, also another name to throw out there in the mix with this situation. And that's the big thing. And that's why I love having these conversations so early because it's one of those things where there's still a lot of questions because with questions, Brandon— comes discussion and that's where we can have and we can talk about these different things and in my mind I still feel at this point this side of the ACC the Atlantic is what I'm talking about is going to come down to Clemson it's going to come down to Louisville and it's going to come down to Florida State those are going to be the three ones and I know what you're saying Ricky wow bold prediction there that those are going to be the three teams fighting for the top of the Atlantic in the ACC but let me throw out this for you. Let's say Louisville does win the Atlantic. You know what other team they might have to worry about? That they might have to come when we get to the Coastal? A team that I think, now that Mitch Trubisky's not at North Carolina, they are a much better option to win the Coastal? Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech could come out and win the Coastal And let's say Louisville does get past Florida State. They get past Clemson. They get past North Carolina. Could Virginia Tech be the team standing there and being like, and I'm going to throw my nerdy set out there, Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, thou shall not pass, puts down the staff and just stops Louisville right in their tracks in the ACC title game. 
Could that happen when we get to the end of the season? Well, they almost did it with Clemson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that uh, Virginia Tech is an underrated team. Uh, they certainly were last season, I think. And I think that people kind of started to see, wow, this team's pretty good when they stood in Clemson's way and mm-hmm. almost beat them at the end of the season. Almost knocked them out of the playoffs. And that would have been a huge win for Virginia Tech. It wouldn't have mm-hmm. done them anything because they wouldn't have gotten into the playoff, but it would have probably kicked out Clemson. And I, I think that the point you make is an interesting one because of that. Uh, and that's that's talking about them going up against a really, really good Clemson team. And, and could they be someone who is going to try and duke things out this season in that conference? And yeah, they could be. Uh, they're obviously we we didn't mention them because they're not on the schedule mm-hmm. for for Louisville. But they could be. They are on the schedule for Clemson, mm-hmm. and I think that that's definitely a team to take a look at, and a team to not write off. That's for sure. So Virginia Tech could certainly be another team that uh, you look at and say, hey, they have made some strides. They could definitely uh, pose a threat in, in in the ACC conference. And that'll be, I'm looking at Virginia Tech's schedule, that's going to be the first ACC game for the Hokies will be September 30th when they play Clemson. I believe Clemson is going to Virginia Tech in that game, whereas Clemson, they will already, at Louisville's their first ACC game, then they play Boston College before playing Virginia Tech, and the big thing right now is with Clemson, and the reason why I'm not saying, like, yes, they will defend and win the Atlantic is because the quarterback question. I feel like it's way too big right now, and I want to see this Saturday what we get from the spring game because the spring game is really my first barometer of, boom, this is football because this is exactly what happens, guys. College basketball season ends on Monday. Spring games, the first, like there are some that have, I believe, happened already. Like this Saturday, I will watch some of the spring games going on. I will kind of start digesting, getting ready for the next football season. But to kind of end this conversation and kind of segue it into our other one, because this one's going to be the segue conversation, which gets us to our bigger football conversation to end the podcast. Right now, if you had to give a definitive answer, of what you're feeling, not a like, yes, they will, no, they won't, but a do you think or do you feel that Lamar Jackson could lead his Louisville Cardinals to the college football playoff? Do you see that? Do you envision that in your mind, Louisville and Lamar Jackson in the CFP? I don't. I don't envision that. Um, and again, and again, I mean, it's kind of because of what I, I, I talked about at the at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, his if, if he kept up the play that he did, uh, you know, he re- reminds me a little bit. He doesn't, but what happened with him a little bit, but it all happened in, in, in one season with him as opposed to one good. Se- well, just hear me out. Uh, so Lamar Jackson. You know, really, really good at the beginning, kind of slows down towards the end. Uh, then you have a, a Leonard Fournette, kind of 
you know, where where was he? Was he really, really good in the beginning and slowed down at the end, or was he really, really kind of nowhere in the beginning and then really sped up the at the end? The only thing I remember from him last season is that old Miss game. Not last season. I was going to say the, re- the season he had that was really, really good. That was, yeah, yeah two so years ago. He came kind of, mm-hmm. he just kept going off and going yep. off and going off and going off and going off. And then he has the season the next year, injury happens not doing all that mm-hmm. well. He's not playing as well as what he had before. Mm-hmm. And you sometimes that hype and everything and again he had an injury, but sometimes it's hard to overcome. I thought it was going to be hard for Deshaun Watson to overcome. Mm-hmm. He was able to overcome it. Now if Lamar Jackson can overcome that hype and there'll be plenty of it. I think that there's an opportunity for him to be really good once again, but I think be more of a solid, let's spread this wealth around, be more of a balanced type team. Mm-hmm. I think that there's an opportunity there. But overall, if you're, ask, you're asking me right now, and I'm giving you my answer of no, I do not think he's going to do that because I'm looking at too many other teams out there that I think are going to be very, very good. And I just do not see Louisville being at the top of that list. I'm going to say this. Can I envision it and have that thought in my head? Yes, I can. I can see Louisville as one of the teams that we see in the college football playoff. Do I think it's going to happen? I'm kind of on the fence about it. And the reason why is you got to see what solidifies in that Clemson quarterback position. And then really, to me, it's going to come down to, of course, as we get to the season, I will have an actual prediction on this. But right now at this point in the spring, I, I think it's going to – I have a weird feeling, Brandon, that this is what's going to happen. He'll beat Brandon Harris in North Carolina. He'll beat whoever the starting quarterback is for Clemson and the Tigers. And then he'll beat Kent State, Murray State, the Wolfpack, the Eagles. And then we'll get to October 21st, and he'll go to Tallahassee. And that will be the game that really decides, are you going to be a playoff team this year? Are you not? That's going to be the one that we all focus in on. I'm calling it right now. College game day will be in Tallahassee that week. That will be the game that college game day is at. Because everyone will be talking about it. The Seminoles hosting the Cardinals. Because if the Cardinals will, will be... I'll be saying if the Cardinals win that game, they're for sure got an open road to winning the Atlantic and going to the ACC title game. That's just how I'm picturing it in my head right now. But as always, this is not just what we think. It's what you guys think as well. So let us know down in the comment section. What do you guys think about Louisville? What do you guys think about the ACC? Can Lamar Action Jackson lead his Louisville Cardinals to the college football playoff this upcoming season. But Brandon, that's going to move us into our next discussion. We're going from Lamar Action Jackson. We're going to open this thing up. We're taking the microscope and we're going to zoom it on out and kind of take a broader broader look at for the longest time, end of last year through draft conversations, the same things as being said. It's saying that, you know what, this year, don't draft a quarterback this year. Next quarterback class is going to be better. Next one's going to be better. This year in college football, before I ask you the question that I always start you off with, just listen to some of these names. Josh Rosen, 
still at UCLA. You have Baker Mayfield came back for Oklahoma. Then at Oklahoma State, you've got Mason Rudolph. you got Jake Browning in Washington. You've got Tanner Mangum at BYU. We have so many quarterbacks this year. Sam Darnold at USC, a guy coming out of nowhere. And we also got a guy in Penn State in Swarley, or Swarls as I like to call him, another big guy trying to bring his team to the college football playoff. And, Brandon, this one's going to be easy. This is going to be an easy topic, and I'm throwing it right at you. Will 2017 really be the year of the quarterback for college football? I think that with all those names that you listed without saying Shane Bouchelle at Mm -hmm. Texas, now with Tom Herman, DeAndre Francois at Florida Mm -hmm. State, with Jalen Hurts at Alabama, with Lamar Jackson at Louisville. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, how can it not be? Spates at Michigan? How mm-hmm. can it not be? I mean, listen to all those names. And it, those range from seniors to to sophomores to juniors. I mean, we're looking at a very, very deep quarterback class here. I mean, we're we're talking... Lots of really, really, really talented quarterbacks. And I'm excited. I'm excited. I I think that there is so much that all these quarterbacks have already done. One I want to focus on really quickly, Sam Darnold. Mm -hmm. This guy is so good. Right now, everyone's thinking if he has a great year, number one pick next year could be the number one pick. In next year's NFL draft. Do you know what's funny, Ricky? So it's not quite a year. Mm-hmm. Um, give us a couple more months and then we'll be there. What did we talk about the on this podcast? Who could be big at quarterback for USC? Was it uh, not Sam? Sam Darnold? No, it wasn't. Nope. It wasn't Sam Darnold. It was like Max Brown or mm-hmm. something like yep. that. It was Brown. Brown with an E. Max Brown with an E. Oh, and we was this th- his coming out party? And, and, and we thought we were so <laughs> spot on. We're idiots, folks. And that's what it is. Like, and he, Darnold came. Or, yeah, Darnold came out of nowhere. Well, Sam Darnold, it, it was pretty simple. When Max Brown did not work out in his first couple of games, he he didn't do well at mm-hmm. all, really. And Sam Darnold came, and he sh- he really just shined for this USC team. And I think that that was capped off by an outstanding Rose Bowl game against Trace McSorley. Mm -hmm. I mean, how about that? I I think that it was such a great game, and it was capped off by Sam Darnold really leading his team to a victory. And this is the type of play that I think we're going to get out of a lot of quarterbacks this upcoming season. And that's why... I, I truly do think, and I stand by that statement of, if this is not the year of the quarterback in college football in 2017, well, I don't know is. if we're ever going to see the year of the quarterback then. Because all of these guys, even the guys on, on, on kind of the lower end of things, with the, the DeAndre Francois or Jalen Hurts, and I put Jalen Hurts on the lower end of things because Jalen Hurts, for as, as, as good mm-hmm. as he was with his feet last season, which was a big part of his game, which is a big part of his game and still will continue to, will continue to be, he can improve so much as a quarterback. 
and as a throwing quarterback. And this guy was still in the national championship game this past season. I mean, holy Hannah, this is going to be an outstanding season in college football. I feel it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And if it started tomorrow, I'd be scared because we haven't talked a whole lot about it. But I would be so excited because there is so much to talk about it Mm -hmm. and so much potential for so many teams. Jake Browning, another one. You mentioned him, but what he did for Washington to put them on the map. As much as I wanted to knock them off all season because they just weren't beating anybody. That was my rendition of myself. I, I, I think that what he did last season to continue to to a continuation for a lot of these quarterbacks is what they're wanting. Where they ended last season, if you can continue that to this season and beyond, these teams are going to be very good. And some of these teams and some of these quarterbacks that we're mentioning, their teams could be back in the college football playoff. Well, and the thing, not just college football playoff, I'm even thinking of it in a draft sense. Well, sure, yeah. Because, absolutely. I mean, the big na- the two big names I feel like from this season will be Darnold and Baker Mayfield. I know Baker Mayfield right now, in some, taking a little bit of a hit with his, uh, hey, you know what, I'm going to get uh, stopped by the cops for drinking, Looking at the cop. Oh, wait, I cannot run him. I'm a D1. That, to me, watching that video of Baker Mayfield being stopped by the police, and you could see in his head him thinking, I can outrun this guy. And then he just goes to book it, and the cop just spears him right into the little, like, cement kind of edge that was right next to him. Of course, teams are going to look at that right now, but I feel at the end of the year, Darnold, Baker Mayfield, they could be the with good seasons because, let's be honest, either one of them could Matt Barkley it and say, well, this guy's the number one pick. Ooh, not so fast. That could happen. We, we don't know. But it's going to be, to me, those two and maybe Lamar Jackson, depending on what season he has, are our top quarterbacks. And those guys could all go in round one. However, we've got some other ones that could go in round one as well. And really, there could be guys that, like a Mason Rudolph. I like was just going to say, I, I, wow, you, you're not putting Mason Rudolph in that category, and I think that you need to. I mean, look at the points that this team puts mm-hmm. up. Holy crap. And they can't put up those I, points, and, and you now put them in there. I want to ask you a question about him, actually. And it was as I was scrolling through ESPN, I saw this article, and the headline read that this could be the year that Mason Rudolph kind of gets out of the Baker Mayfield shadow. Does he get out of the shadow this year? Does Mason Rudolph kind of move away from the Baker Mayfield shadow this year? I'll be honest with you. I don't think he's in a shadow. I don't think he's in a shadow. But but here's here's what I kind of think it is, is because people, a lot of times, they want to focus on one guy. Mm-hmm. And like this past year, it was it was um, Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. We didn't realize, people forget kind of, that Baker, wow, Baker Mayfield's still having an outstanding season. Mason Rudolph is having an outstanding season. Baker Mayfield, my goodness gracious, if you would have won one or two more games in the season, your team could be in the college football playoff. Mason Rudolph, you guys just scored 65 points for the 12th, 12th game in a row. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously that's an over-exaggeration, mm-hmm. but... But I, I don't think that necessarily Mason Rudolph is in a shadow of Baker Mayfield. 
I think all these quarterbacks were in the shadow of Lamar Jackson for quite some time. So you think he's the prize pony right now? Well, performance-wise and hype-wise because of his video game stats from Mason Rudolph? Year. No, Lamar Action Lamar Jackson. J- Lamar Action Jackson is going to be the guy that I think a lot of people are looking at. Can he repeat? There's yeah. going to be a lot of people. He won't be able to do that again. He won't be able to do that. <laughs> Let's see him try and do that again. No. Because because uh, there's so many people. Oh, come on! Can you really repeat mm-hmm. those types of stats? It's really hard to do so. It's really. I mean, Deshaun Watson. He, he had so, he had so many good numbers two seasons ago. Was he going to follow that up with another season like that? And that's why there was all this hype around him and everything like that. Was he going to be able to repeat that? And he had even said early in the season. I kind of criticized him for it that. Oh, oh, you know, all this hype and stuff like that sometimes gets hard. Deal with the brother because you're going to have to do that when you're in the NFL. Mm -hmm. It's a a lot harder when you move on and move up. But he eventually got it together and he did. But I think that you're always going to look at the guy who had the best stats the year before, so they're going to look at Lamar Jackson. But I also think that you look at some of these other guys, Baker Mayfield, Mason Rudolph specifically, because of the conference they're in, Mm -hmm. the way that they put up points in that conference – I think look for both of these guys to be very, very consistently good all throughout the season. But look at their last two seasons as well. They've been very strong. They've been very strong. But I think this past year, it was an overshadow Mm -hmm. because of Lamar Jackson. I don't think that Mason Rudolph was necessarily in a shadow of Baker Mayfield. I'm going to say this, and this is one of the thoughts I had while you were talking, was this year I feel like it's going to be that year where I just say, Let's just sit back and enjoy the ride. Let's just sit back, enjoy the ride. We're going to have so many great performances this year. Because there's one guy I didn't even mention is Luke Falk. This is a guy at Washington State, declared for the NFL draft. Then after declaring, had a change of heart and said, nah, I'm coming back to school. He's going to be back. He's going to be a guy that we talk about in draft conversations. I feel I have this weird inkling this season. Of course, there's going to be guys that we talk about that have duds of a year and that hurts their draft stock. And, oh, we thought they were a one. Now they're a three. Or, oh, we thought they were a one. Now they're a two. Deshaun Kaiser's kind of in that boat. Thought he would have a better season last year than he had this year. But, like, when I was talking to Sean before we recorded the primetime podcast today, he said, well, that's Brian Kelly's fault. Brian Kelly said he should have came back. Doesn't matter. You wouldn't have fucking used him. That's what Sean said. And I kind of agree with him. Deshaun Kaiser's year was it more him or more Brian Kelly. I feel like this year we're going to look at the draft next year and there are going to be so many guys that play well this year. And, of course, all of them aren't going to go. They're, the red The red shirt sophomores could go, could end up staying. The juniors could end up staying. But for the most part, I feel like most of these guys, I feel like this, we could see a run of quarterbacks in the NFL draft. And I mean, I'm looking at the only mock draft I can find right now is on WalterFootball.com. Brandon, here are the three quarterbacks they got in the projected order that they have. For this next season? For 2018. So after this upcoming season, they think the 49ers will get the number one pick. They're going to take Sam Darnold. And uh, he will be the quarterback of the 49ers. God bless him. The next quarterback off the board, the fourth pick to the New York Jets, Josh Rosen, quarterback from UCLA. I swear to God, if the Jets get one more freaking quarterback, (laughs) they're not going to have enough roster spots for everybody else. They have like 10. At number five, 
to the Buffalo Bills, a guy we haven't mentioned, a guy who could be good at a small school, Wyoming, Josh Allen. We get Josh Allen going to the Bills, and then besides that, they don't have another quarterback going. But I look at it, Lamar Action Jackson could be a first-round pick. Baker Mayfield could be looked at as a first-rounder. Mason Rudolph, if he plays well. Jake Browning. Yeah. I mean, there are guys, and this could even be one where, of course, all of them won't go in the first round. I mean, every team's not going to take a quarterback. Exactly. But this could be also a class of quarterbacks where they played so well this year in college football that teams go, fuck, let's take a quarterback in the second round. It's like we're getting a first rounder in the second. That's how good these guys, I think, can be. And because we have all these great quarterbacks, the thing that I'll kind of end it on for me is I think this might be one of the most entertaining, entertaining college football seasons that we see in quite some time. Because of all the big-name quarterbacks we got, guys with names that we're attaching ourselves to. I mean, you look at it, and some of them, Rudolph upperclassman. Baker Mayfield is an upperclassman. Folk is an upperclassman. I want to say Allen's an upperclassman. Really, the underclassman would be like Lamar Action Jackson, um, I want to say Darnold, the lower classmen. And I feel like this year they will be the stars of the league. And, of course, there's going to be that one name. There's going to be that one quarterback that comes out of nowhere that neither you or I said today. He's kind of sitting there. He's kind of sitting there under the fog. And as soon as we get to, like, week three, week four, there he comes mm-hmm. right out of it. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about them here on the Primetime Podcast. But that's kind of my thought. I feel like just sit back, let's enjoy the ride, because this could be, because of the quarterbacks we have, could be one of the most entertaining football seasons we have in quite some time. What do you, what, what are your kind of final thoughts with this? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that uh, what we saw, even, even this past year, uh, with Lamar Jackson being as good as he was, so... You know, a couple years ago, it was Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, you know, this guy's really good, running back, all that stuff. Lamar Jackson, quarterback last year. I, I think that he may have been him, along with many other guys who were really good at the quarterback position, kind of set the tone last year. And with how things ended again with Sam Darnold, with McSorley, everything like that, I think it kind of sets up this season. You know, they're put sticking the tee in the ground. They're putting the ball on top of the tee. Now they're going back. They got their club. They've got their driver. And now we're just going with the backswing. And this 2017 and 2018, we're going to be making contact following through. There's going to be a lot of really good quarterback play come this season. I, I think you're right, Ricky. I'm really excited to be able to watch it all. I think you're also right in the fact that there's going to be one, maybe two quarterbacks that we haven't mentioned that will come out and you're like, wow, this guy is really good too. He's going to be added to this group as well. But I think that you look at all these quarterbacks, there are so many. I I can't remember a time when there were so many quality quarterbacks. I mean, if we go through, we've got... I mean, we're close to 10 that we're just talking about tonight. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. And those 10 could all possibly 
be a first round or second round talent. That's pretty incredible. But I think overall we're going to see the best season in college football based strictly on quarterbacks that we've ever seen this next year. Well, and the thing that I really want to look up really quick, and I'm going to um, profootball.com to look at it, the most quarterbacks that we have had in the first round in recent history, 2016, we had three of them. 2015, we had two of them. 2014, we had four of them. So I think that was the last one, two in 2011. So I think in our recent history, 20, 2011 had four and 2013-14 had four. One of those two. I think that's the most that we've ever seen in recent years in a draft has been four quarterbacks. I can't wait to see how many go in. Not just, I mean, we're getting ready for this draft. I can't wait for next draft just because of all these quarterbacks that we could see called in the entire draft. But before we kick off to Swanee's final thoughts, just you guys, I know you guys are going to give us names that we did not mention. Give us those down below in the comment section. But Swanee, let's end the podcast. What are Swanee's final thoughts? Final thoughts. So it goes back to this is now now we're going to actually go back to basketball for a second. Okay. So <laughs> so the Gonzaga Bulldogs, they get to their first ever national championship game. Mm-hmm. They do not win, but they play so competitively in the road that they took to get there, only losing one game all season long outside of the game last night in the championship. And they're from the what? The WCC. Most people would go, where? And you just say, oh, you know, some worthless place on the West Coast. Some worthless <laughs> conference on the West, you, West Coast. You mean you mean the ZAG? The, the ZAG conference? Because that's all that conference is to me. Yeah. You the got, ZAG conference. You got two teams that are competitive in there mm-hmm. with Gonzaga and St. Mary's. But yet Gonzaga found a way to get a number one seed and make it all the way to the national championship game. I think that... When so many times people say, ah, you know, those teams, they're never going to make it. They don't have a chance. All that kind of stuff. Well, zip it because Gonzaga put that all to rest. And they did it because Mark Few is an incredible coach and a really smart guy. Because he knew that he would never, ever, ever make it anywhere if he didn't schedule tough non-conference opponents. Not only did he schedule tough non-conference opponents, his team beat all those non-conference opponents. They beat Arizona. They beat Florida. They beat Iowa State. They beat Tennessee. They beat teams that thought they'd go in and beat the Zags because Gonzaga's only good in the WCC. Er, Wrong. They are a good team. They are going to continue to be a good team. Watch out for Gonzaga next season and beyond. I'm not saying they're going to win the national championship, but I am saying that Mark Few is going to continue to have them to the tournament, and he's going to continue to have them making deep tournament runs, especially after this season. Congratulations to North Carolina, but congratulations to the Gonzaga Bulldogs and Mark Few. He has done something with that program, folks. If he hadn't all the seasons before, he did now. And, Brian, like I told you after last night's game, you know who I expect to be back for them next season? Nigel Williams-Goss, baby. Just going to come back 
and have a vengeance on his mind, just like North Carolina had this season. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in the comment section about anything we talked about today on the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Ricky Widmer. He is Brandon at Young underscore SWAT 19. Most Valuable Podcast is at Most Valuable Pod. You want to help support the channel, hit that like, hit that subscribe button, but also check out patreon.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast. Just an extra way to help out the channel rather than hitting the like and subscribe button. want to thank you guys for either watching or listening today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, but as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.